Tuesday with Tamika. Thank you all so much for joining me for yet another episode of Tuesday with Tamika, where you guys already know what it is. We believe in lifting as we climb, turning our trials into treasures, living a life to inspire and not impress, and allowing God to fully restore us. First and foremost, before I get going, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you all. We have hit over 15,000 downloads. The podcast is really growing, really expanding. And the biggest part that I love about all of that is the impact that we are making. The numbers are great, but truly this life that we're living and we get to walk down is to impact other people and encourage them to do their healing work as well. I believe that my guest that I'm going to have on today he knows all about impact. He knows all about bringing people along the journey with him. And I am super excited to invite another friend to the podcast. You guys, these episodes just keep getting better and better. I'm super excited. So as I just kind of told him before we hit record, I want this to feel like coffee in conversation with a good friend. So, hey, friend, you got a minute? Hey sis, hey, sis, you got a minute? 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 Absolutely. Hi, Tamika. <laughs> Hi, Jerry. I'm so happy that you are here on the podcast. I know that this is going to be just a really good conversation, helping people on their healing journey. When God called me to help others heal, I knew I had to bring other people along. So tell the podcast listeners a little more about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Jerry Fu. I am a pharmacist and leadership coach specializing in conflict resolution for Asian professionals. Love that. That is amazing. So specific. I feel like one of the reasons why we can be successful in life is success is found in the specificity. So I want those of you that are listening to the podcast, grab your pens, grab your journals and get ready to learn something because there will be something that you can pick up that's going to help you on your leadership journey, your healing journey. So Jerry, tell me, how did you get started? And quick story before you even start that. I love how there's always these synchronicities in the work that I do. My first job after like returning to the work field, when I had my two young children that are now adults, I worked in the pharmacy and I delivered um, IV bags. Like I was what they called a runner. So I would deliver meds to different floors in the hospital. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pharmacy. Um, I've been a pharmacist for 17 years now and um, grateful for all the opportunities I've had to help impact patients' lives, uh, being a trusted source of guides as with their medications and make sure that they're really getting the quality of life that they, that they can get if they are compliant with their medications. Um, along the way, had some really crazy career challenges once I decided that uh, a chain pharmacy career that my mom was wanting me to to pursue was no longer the case after five years of working for them. So when I struck it out on my own, I leveraged my connections to get a teaching position through a pharmacy consulting company, which I moved to Houston for, and uh, got fired 11 months later because you know I, I just uh, I wasn't serious about really doing a quality job, and I thought that somehow 
that as long as I told a good enough story that they would understand why I didn't get the job done, uh, which doesn't work, right? No, <laughs> no, no successful business is built on stories as to why they didn't succeed. They just succeed, right? Um, and that was a that was a tough wake up call because I didn't think I would ever get fired given my you know education or work experience or likability, but you know, if you don't deliver results, it doesn't matter how likable you are. In fact, you become less likable <laughs> because hey. you're not getting the job done. And so the next wake up call happened about six weeks later when I, I stumbled into a job after six weeks of waiting for another paycheck, uh, where four of my paychecks bounced filling for crooked doctors. So the owner was ripping me off and I was jeopardizing my license and I wasn't getting paid for it. And so, right, no one tells you, this is how you confront a, a crooked boss, right? That's not in life's manual. Uh, you have to figure that out quickly. And so after about nine months of chasing down paychecks, uh, my friends got me on with a company more legitimate, but couldn't pay me more than eight hours a week because, uh, you know, money was really tight. So I moved to Austin briefly to work for the location out there to get more hours. And I said, you know, beggars can't be choosers. I don't know what my life's going to look like at this point. But that summer was key because my friends uh, who run a pharmacy leadership nonprofit said, hey, we need a facilitator for our leadership meeting. And we know you've been helping on the fraternity side, but we need a facilitator for our, our leadership meeting. Can you help? And I said, absolutely. And so teaching leadership to other people um, kind of unlocked some potential and possibilities in my mind. Because before I said, oh, like I, I, I hate disappointing people. I hate having difficult conversations. I don't like people being upset with me. And, or I've, I don't like being upset to other people and I don't know how to uh, address my feelings or communicate my feelings in a way that's constructive. So I'm just going to stop because I just need to do more hurt than, than good whenever I bring up the fact that I'm upset with somebody or they're upset with me. So I just said, I just don't want to look incompetent. I'm just never going to do that. But now I said, wow, what if I could be a good leader? What would that look like? How would I care of myself? What kind of work would that involve? And so when a full-time manager position opened up in Houston later that fall, I said, absolutely, I want to come home. I got to take on this challenge. I got to do this. And uh, 11 months later, I proceeded to get written up because my technicians were not pulling their weight and I was not writing them up or firing them. And so management was right, unfortunately, to, uh, to say, hey, you're the bigger problem here. And uh, you know, the only reason I got an interview with my next company was that now I had leadership experience on my resume. And so I tell people all the time, leadership saved my career because mm. it opened doors I wouldn't have had otherwise. Even as these doors were like icebergs because the jobs would melt after one or two years because the business model wasn't sustainable. And so uh, five years ago when my previous employer went under due to insurance problems and drama, I said, well, you know, I'm tired of chasing scripts. I'm tired of fighting insurance contracts, but I love people development, which I consistently done since I started 10 years ago. What if I tried to become a coach or a facilitator for leadership? Uh, because I have a heart for, yeah, knowing that people with my background have uh, a struggle with upsetting people, right? Rocking the boat, speaking up. And so again, I was still very scared of rejection and failure, right? So like coaching was more of a hobby than anything else. And it wasn't until the pandemic ramped up when I was in the middle of my formal coach training. And I, you know, said, well, between this and the pandemic and turning 40, uh, how much longer am I going to really put this dream off? And so, yeah, two years ago, uh, this October, I followed the LLC, got the website up, opened the bank account. And then, yeah, more try, struggle, fail. Uh, the only reason I covered most of my expenses my first year in business was that I did a lot of private tutoring. And so, and appeared on like 70 or 80 podcasts just trying to get my name out there. And then, uh, yeah, this year, more doors are starting to open. 
Uh, the plane is still not quite off the ground. It's still hobby money and not career pivot money, but uh, you know, fingers crossed is heading in the right direction. So here we are. Yes, absolutely. I often tell um, the clients that I'm really lucky, lucky to work with and, and people, you know, that are on this coaching journey with me because, you know, social media makes it look so glamorous. It just makes it seem like you can to have this, this idea of being a coach. And then you're like working at the beach and that's not how any of this works. Right? Yeah, yeah. I, I tell people that God honors movement and it's really us making decisions. One, putting one foot in front of the other in order for the plan to truly unfold. There's a couple of things that you um, said that I was taking notes because I'm like, Oh, that's such a good teachable moment that I want us to go back to. And one of the things that you said is um, doing when the first thing that I heard is you said, um, even starting into pharmacy, um, was kind of mom's idea. Right. And I just finished, uh, this training talking about the mother wound. And I'm sure your mother is an amazing woman. And I know often people of color, we do what our parents tell us to do in instead of what our heart truly desires. Can we unpack that a little bit if you're comfortable about what that looks like? Uh, where would your life be if you made decisions? And I'm not, I'm sure it led you down great paths, but mm -hmm. if you, when you were a little boy, what did you dream of becoming? And then how did kind of following mom's plan for you help or hurt? Yeah, yeah, that's a perfectly fair question. And I think the more open we are about these things, the more we realize how much we actually have in common with intentions and impact because my mom just wanted me to have a comfortable life, right? She didn't want me to worry about money when I was a kid. Um, you know, like anytime I wanted a toy for Christmas, she wanted to be sure that they were able to afford it, right? Like that's, that, those are good things. Um, the irony is that if you shield me from too much of my own struggles, right, then when you're not around to shield me, I don't know how to respond to it, right? Mm. And that's where, that's where things, sometimes your compass just kind of goes off like the, the North, the North Star, because you're not sure, is this a moment where you, we need to let Jerry struggle a little bit? Or is this a moment where, yeah, like he's not ready for that struggle, yet, right? And so early on, you know, it was nice, you know, knowing that if I started to play too much video games or or watch too much TV and I was I was behind on homework, it was nice to have someone being be my accountability partner. Right? Hey, you need to. You know. But you know, when I went to college on my own and she wasn't there to keep me on track, all of a sudden I didn't have any of my own discipline, right? Yeah. And so now I'm I'm not here to point fingers at her, but this is the consequence when you know parents overcompensate for their kids development right mm. um and she just she meant well because she just has a really tough view of suffering she doesn't like suffering she doesn't like struggles she doesn't like adversity and uh you know the more she felt like she could protect me from uh the better and that works up until a point right because um same thing with my pharmacy career when i decided on pharmacy it was my choice to like, initially i was pre-med that didn't work out i said well i still want to do healthcare, I still want to do pharmacy but it was her idea to say hey you need to work for this chain pharmacy mm. uh, because your dad struggled to find gainful work despite having two master's degrees and i just don't want you to deal with that anxiety mm. and what she so she was coming from a, a good standpoint right from an immigrant standpoint hey this is the stability that we've sought for so long and so please take it because you'll appreciate it once you have it except 
you don't realize what that stability costs you when you're continually relying on someone else to provide that paycheck and you have to agree to their terms of that paycheck when they start cutting technician hours, when they start cutting into your benefits, right? When things are bad and you basically just feel like a puppet, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, there was a season where I was comfortable with the job. The paychecks were nice. I had flexible scheduling and that was great. But once the, once the scheduling went away, now I wasn't happy. So it doesn't matter how much money I'm making as a pharmacist. It didn't matter that I earned the third week of vacation right as I quit and they, because the other 49 weeks still stick. So, <laughs> uh, so that was, you know, that was the conflict that she and I had because I said, no, I want quality of life now. Yeah. Like I, I can't look for, if I can't look forward to living my life every day, I don't know what I'm living for. And she's like, well, you know, bank away money aggressively, work for this company for 20 years. And one day you'll finally have the autonomy to do what you want. Assuming you're lucky that your health hasn't gone. Mm -hmm. right and you know again good intentions but what's the trajectory of those actions right yeah um and had i stayed with her advice if i had stayed home because i lived at home after i graduated uh working for this chain pharmacy you know she had a girl lined up that you know she thought i should marry and you know what is this am i just going to follow my mom's plan for my life right i was already mad at her for the career decisions because i did not like that <laughs> and even if she had more credibility about like what kind of woman I should marry and the woman that she uh, lined up for me was actually perfectly nice, but I just didn't want it because my mom wanted to push me toward it. Right? <laughs> and so, yeah, I just said, no, I'm not going to listen to my mom anymore uh, because ironically, yeah. Do I want a stable job? Absolutely. Do I want to marry a, a nice responsible woman? Yeah. But not the ones that my mom lined up for me. Right? <laughs> and so yeah, that was where it got hard. And then, um, yeah, after I just said, nope, I got to get out of the house. I got to kick myself out of the nest. And, you know, yeah, don't get me wrong. There were some things I realized I was unprepared for because, you know, if I let peer pressure get the best of me to do things that they felt, you know, I wasn't thinking for myself anymore. Yeah, that's, that's a problem. But if I had to choose between the mistakes that I've made on my own in Houston versus having stayed in Tennessee where I was living at the time, just regretting what might have been if I actually tried to fight for a, a job I was excited for and a, a life that I could actually design for myself. Oh, no question. Like I would, I would hate being at home wondering what it'd be like to actually live instead of yeah. just a safe mom path for sure. Yeah, for sure. I love, um, there's so much, so much richness in what you were saying. And one of the quotes that I really live my life by is, um, we don't want to live with re the regrets of what could have been, right? And what we, we should have done or could have done. Um, something else that you said and that I hear you continue to talk about is, and I love how you said this, I think this is what I really want to name the podcast is try, struggle, fail. And these jewels that come in trying the failure and then also in the struggle yeah. what lessons like really like good like lifelong lessons and even leadership lessons did you learn in the try struggle fail um yeah <laughs> I think uh the first thing is to recognize that as long as you don't have the result you want then you're not done like mm -hmm. that's basically it right people I mean you know they'll get me wrong there's times when you just need to decide okay you know like this coaching thing if I don't if I'm not making enough money in two years to you know um to justify cutting back from my day job then I just need to stop right or it's like okay this book that I'm writing if I don't have a workable 
if I've gotten the publisher's interest in within two years of having written this book, I just need to stop. So there's a time and place to quit, but for something that you've dreamed about for so long, um, you know, what will it take for you to realize, you know, yeah, I, if I send the emails out and, you know, I send 20 emails out and no one responds, it's like, okay, I'm done. I guess uh, that's all it took to really test. Because the, I, I, I think about the quote that Lewis House gives in School of Greatness, and he says, you know, uh, you're only as strong as your adversity makes you. And mm -hmm. I really love that because if you're not willing to challenge yourself, you're never going to grow. There's a balance between comfort and discomfort. Yeah, you want to, you don't want to just keep yourself in the discomfort zone all the time because at some point you're just going to get burnt out. But if you settle for comfort too long as well, um, you're never going to grow. Like, and your your comfort zone will shrink if you continue to just not work on it. So, um, yeah, I think in the try struggle fail, you realize like this is the prerequisite to progress. Like, if you're not willing to put in the work to try, struggle, fail, learn, try again. Um, like don't expect to go anywhere. Yeah. I love that. I love that Lewis Howe um, quote. He's yeah. definitely one of the greats in leadership in yeah. leading the way in coaching and those different things. And I love to, I've never heard someone say, if you don't um, grow outside of your comfort zone, your comfort zone shrinks. I think that that's so important because we think oftentimes humans, we just think like, I, I had this conversation this week about staying inside the box and I've never been one to stay inside the box. And so it's always been very difficult for me watching other people inside the box because I can literally see the shrink. Um, but I'm learning that, you know, one of my staples and one of the, my life like uh, beliefs is to lift as I climb. But I realize that people have to have their hands up and, and want to come with me, right? I cannot pull anyone out of that box. No. I cannot pull anybody out of that comfort zone. So speaking of which, going into um, leadership, especially with Asians that, you know, learning how to uh, have proper conflict resolution. That is such a specific niche and it's probably so needed, um, you know, and I just want to know what is it or why did you choose that, like that, that population and, and how did you come up with like the conflict resolution? I, I think I have an idea, but I would love to hear your perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of what we like to say in coaching, one of the coach sayings, right, is your ideal client is who you were 10 years ago, right? Yes. And that's just, again, that's not set in stone, but it's a good place to start. Like, if you don't know where your niche is as a client or as a coach, then usually just start with who you were 10 years ago and who, where's, where's that population hanging out, right? And so I know that my biggest turning point as a leader was to shed this identity of, oh, he's the fun uncle, like, you know, he's third fiddle and everybody loves him. And ironically enough like when I just focused on influence and it wasn't worried about a title like people actually took my advice more seriously because they say oh Jerry's just trying to help like I'm not directly accountable to him he's just trying to help you know what he's got some good advice let me take that but as soon as I had to become like the uncool dad oh my goodness <laughs> uh clean your room no make me <laughs> you know and then uh and so you learn that you're like they're not gonna like me you know when I had to write up I remember when I had to write up a technician like at my at my current job at one point because she she was lollygagging like she'd show up late from work like 30 40 minutes late and then she'd take another 10 or 15 just getting her coffee and then she'd like cut, cut up while we're losing time like she clocked in already right she's just like just you know having a good time when like we should have started the day by now and so you know 
like the first stage was all right let me like carpet bomb this conversation and let me get the whole team together and talk about the importance of punctuality and hopefully this will hit the target and you know and it did like it initially or at least she goes oh yeah I, I should be on time and I should come earlier anyway and then she proceeded to be late for the next five days and so Again, spirit willing, flesh weak, or nice intentions, no application, right? Diagnose how you want. And we clearly weren't happy with her. And so me and my staff pharmacist, we talked through it and we said, okay, no, we're just going to have to write her up. Like we, this is not, we're not firing her. We're not putting on probation, but we do need to say, okay, this is unacceptable. And you know, this is strike one. It doesn't have, ideally nothing happens past this. Like this is enough to get your attention to kind of get you on back on, uh, on track with meeting expectations and that's it. And, you know, we pull her aside and we talk through, we just say, Hey, look, you know, this is what we saw from you and this isn't acceptable and we need this to stop. And because we've had all of these conversations that did not result in any like lasting transformation, we're going to have to put something in writing to say that we are not happy with it. And of course she starts to give, you know, reasons and excuses and you know just basically justifying why we should lower expectations right well you know traffic in houston is terrible i'm just you know like can't i just like start later and end later or you know uh and we're sitting there thinking we pay you the same that we pay the other technicians so why are our why do you get to you know get a get the free pass right Um, and i told her i said you have three options based from what i see maybe i'm wrong maybe you tell me there's a fourth option Number one, move closer, like find an apartment that's closer. And that way the traffic is no longer an excuse. Number two, um, you know, leave earlier, right? Think of like the, all the worst possible scenarios, anticipate all the worst possible scenarios of traffic, like, you know, an 18 wheeler turns over or there's lots of construction and then just leave earlier and then show up. Or three, find a job closer to where you live so you don't have to complain about this anymore. You're right. Which she, <laughs> she wasn't going to do. And so we just said, look, you know, we're, you're the expert on your life. We're not here to, we're not here to discount whatever circumstances you feel are unfair. And therefore, if you're the expert on your life, you're going to have to find a solution because we've already mm-hmm. given you some and you don't feel like any of ours and come up with your own, right? We like you. We like having you here. We need you here. And we need you to pull your weight if you expect to stay here, right? And, um, you know, the framework that I kind of work people through now, right? Number one, so step one of my five framework that you can find on my website, just to give people tangible steps. Number one, you have to imagine what a successful conversation sounds like. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's let's replay this with my framework and overlay it to the situation. Number one, okay, is a successful conversation like getting her to apologize, or is it just being able to clarify expectations so she knows what happens next? Or is it getting her to say, you know, yeah, 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 I messed up, like take ownership of the situation. What is the success? The success is, nope, she's not going to like this. And so therefore, uh, the success is, hey, this is what we're proceeding with. This is how we need you to respond. And we're just going to trust that you're going to come. That was pretty much the successful conversation. Number two, step two, is to find 10 seconds of courage to start Mm -hmm. this conversation, right? Because what happens? Because I am still conflict diverse. I've been conflict diverse for over 30 years, right? So uh, you, there are parts where you can work through it, but more the more realistic solution is develop a system to compensate for you when you want to evolve into bad habits, right? And so when I'm just like, oh, I start to rationalize, oh, I don't, maybe it's not so bad, you know, maybe I can put it off until tomorrow, and you're just sitting there thinking, no, I need to set this emotion and lock the gate behind me so I don't keep rationalizing, I don't settle for a, a lesser standard. So, all right, 10 seconds. Hey, 
Emily, is now a good time where we need to discuss, you know, the punctuality with um, or hey, pick up the phone, send that email, just put that in motion. So therefore you can't, oh, I've, never mind, let me take that email back. No, that yeah. doesn't work, right? Yeah. You don't want that to work. Um, step three, script your critical moves, right? Script your critical phrases. Hey, um, okay, I'm going to lay out these things. How is Emily likely to respond? Oh, she's going to probably give me excuses about traffic and family and, you know, her son just has a lot of needs. And Okay, how am I going to counter the counter, right? Um, let me not let these thoughts run around in my head. Let me put them on paper, right? Let me make sure I start to organize thoughts and anticipate things and start to play around with it. Okay, now I have a script. Is that enough? Absolutely not, because this isn't just a homework assignment where you just turn it in and get an A, right? You need mm. to. Now, step four is to rehearse them. Hey, let me check myself in the mirror. Let me record myself on my phone. Is my body language confident? Am I, um, are, my, are my words, am I talking in a, a controlled and calm tone? You know, let me spar with the friends, right? Let me, let me ask them to role play as this technician. And so I can like iron out my phrasing so I'm not tripping over my words in the moment, right? And then step five, do it because the cost of not engaging is, is worse than the cost of trying to fail, right? And so that was my big thing is recognizing, hey, if I fail at this conversation, that doesn't mean just, you know, pack up and go home. It means, hey, you're not done. Like you need to try again. Mm -hmm. And this applies to other situations I've dealt with, whether it was confronting a roommate who defaulted on his lease that I had to yeah. evict. It comes to down to, you know, when I had to confront a potential sexual predator, you know, in the church class I was the director of. And you know, I won't get into those stories now. Those are, those are uh, you know, hooks for the next episode. But, yes. you know, these are, but these are the things that, you know, people like leaders like me, right? Like no one told me this, right? In all the leadership development, no one says, hey, when you have a, you know, a pressing urgent situation that you need to go in there and, and you know, uh, handle it and fall on this grenade, like at least give me a manual. Right? Right. <laughs> give me something. Don't just be like, just run toward it. You'll figure it out. Okay, maybe maybe this time, but not every time. But so. yes, no, that's really good and very very practical and easy for other people to do. And I love how you brought it back and just referenced that these conversations can you know be had with a partner when you are like having a conflict within your relationship with your children. If you're having a conflict with your children or with the parent or, you know, in so many different areas of your life, we're going to, the, the truth of the matter is, is we're going to face conflict and we can either, there's two choices is to avoid it. And then the problem persists or to run toward it, you know, and I am one that has always ran head on to conflict, but even doing this, it helps me to realize running towards conflict, how I can get it wrong and how I can be uh, more problematic than solution focused. So I love, I love this framework. It's so good. We're going to make sure you all that we have his um, website and where you all can get in contact with him. Before we move into the last segment of the show, I want to take a quick commercial break and I want to invite you all over to TuesdayWithTamika.com. Those of you that are looking to continue in your healing journey, maybe you um, are ready to be healed to love again. Maybe you need to heal that mother wound. Maybe that inner child keeps showing up when you are a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old woman, and you want to really live the life that you pray about and that you dream about, but you're operating in your inner child. It's time, sis. It is time for you to join the Becoming Her membership for only $47 a month. 
you get to coach with me twice a month and, and an expert guest. So make sure you click the link that's going to be in the show notes and join the membership. All right, Jerry. So I wanted to end, kind of wrap up our show with what I like to call community spotlight. I love, love, love what you're doing. I love your niche. I love the specificity. Like I said at the beginning, there is success in specificity. So I love that you um, know who you're working with and who you're working for. And I would love for you to share with the Tuesday Healing with Tamika community, how they can get in contact with you, any courses, books, programs that you have going on right now, and just really share all that you're doing for the world. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, so to the simple call to action uh, is through my website, which is www.adaptingleaders.com. Um, there's a free blog where you can check out summaries of useful and interesting leadership literature and other hacks. Uh, there is, uh, you can schedule a complimentary 30 minute call just to say, Hey, what you're working on, you know, maybe a, a free sample of coaching will help you, um, you know, really see the power of, and value of coaching. And uh, the framework that we uh, just went over is actually available as a free guide even. Uh, and that, is the specific link for that is www.adaptingleaders.com forward slash guide, G-U-I-D-E. And uh, yeah, I mean, there, you can see coaching packages available on my website. The prices are, are up there as well because I'm very transparent. I don't want to hit blindside you with like a five, five figure number after you get on a discovery <laughs> call with me. I don't like it when coaches do that, but you know, if it works for them, great. Uh, but I am not one of them. I, I'd rather not hit you with that. So uh, whether you want to you know, pick up a leadership package and say, hey, this is Jerry's thesis on what's essential to being an effective leader. Or if you want the whole kitchen sink program that I offer, you know, to say, hey, this is everything I will throw at you. This is all the books that I love. Here's everything I live out. Here are the smaller tips I, I use to make sure I go to the gym twice a week. Like, here's how I use my crock pot to you know, save time <laughs> and cooking, like all sorts of fun stuff there. But, um, you know, the simple step, just check out the guide, let it pay dividends for you because that's free. Like that's no risk. Love that. You guys, that guide is going to be in the show notes. So you'll be able to click that and get in direct contact with Jerry. Listen, I am fully aware that I'm not everyone's coach. This is why I love to bring people on my podcast to be able to share the wealth. Leadership is something at every point of, or some point in your life, all of us is going to have to step into leadership. All of us are going to have to step into co uh, conflict. So make sure you grab that guide. Make sure you follow Jerry on his social media sites. And make sure you visit his website. Book that free, that complimentary call. You never know what breakthrough comes through just taking those steps. Like I say, God honors movement. All right, Jerry, before we wrap up, I first and foremost want to thank you so much for your time and spending your money morning with me. I would love for you to answer our signature question that we ask all of our guests. Are you ready for this? Let's do it. All right. So what does living a life to inspire and not impress mean to you? Oh. <laughs> I, I'm a recovering approval addict, so I'm like, I don't even know. Um, <laughs> but if I had to start, um, you know, dance like no one's looking. Ooh. I think uh, let's start with that. Um, right. 
in your journal every morning. Uh, you know, allow you allow yourself to express yourself in ways where you know uh, there won't be any judgment, whether it's thoughts you keep to yourself or with people you know who will be uh, happy to share their candid opinions with you. Uh, you know, in a respectful way. Uh, but yeah, just living a life where you say, hey, you know what, this is what I'm just going to put out in the world and um, being secure enough to allow people to disagree, I think is the, 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 the specific thing I'll say, because uh, I'll give a quick, like, concrete example on that to elaborate. Um, you know, I, salsa dancing is a, is a hobby that I never expected to ever pick up on, but now it's just consumed my life. And it's, it, don't get me wrong, like, it's hard to convince Hispanic women on a regular basis that I know what I'm doing. <laughs> And, you know, and it's tough when you see a, a, a great dancer and you want to dance with them and she still says no. But there are also plenty of dancers that will drag me onto the floor because they they love dancing with me. And so, you know, I guess the, the I'll land it by saying, you know, think of what Tim Ferriss says, you know, find your thousand true fans mm. because you're, you, you can't you like trying to get everyone's approval doesn't pay your bills. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't do anything for you except just give you that neurological hit to say, oh, I'm loved. It's like, no, you're liked, but they don't know you. So, you know, get your get your thousands of your fans, have your inner circle of five or six people you know are going to bring out the best in you, even when it's uncomfortable. And um, I think uh, that's a great start. Yes. Snaps, snaps, snaps. I love that. That was such a beautiful answer and a beautiful analogy to go along with it. Tuesday with Tamika family, I want you guys to remember our life principles that we are living life by. We are living life to inspire and not impress. We are turning our trials into treasures. We are lifting as we climb and we are allowing God to fully restore us. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. Jerry, your time is appreciated. Your coaching practice, your yes to God is appreciated. Thank you for showing up in the world in a big way. Until next week, bye-bye.